All right, let's stand up. And we're in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to pick up with verse 8. And by grace and faith, we'll get down to verse 13 this morning. And so we're going to be reading. New King James is up there. So I'll just set the pace. You can keep up with me or we'll go really, really slow. And so let's read. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is blessed and will nourish us as we take it in. And Holy Spirit, we call upon you. Believe that you're doing the work of opening eyes, ears, and hearts so they can see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to each of your children, and they're going to take away something from this message that they can need or utilize, and Lord, they're going to put the practice, it's going to make a difference in their life today. Only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. High five someone on the way down. All right, let's hop right in. Verse 8, unpack our lunch. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Is that a familiar verse? Yeah, it's a very famous verse, but I think I like going verse by verse so you can kind of you know, build up to that and see where this came from. The first of the chapter, Paul just says, you know what? Remember who you were when you were an unbeliever. Before you were saved, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And so you were under the control of the flesh, control of a carnal mind, and by nature, in your spirit, you were a child of wrath, going to hell, but then the words, but God. But God hit us and, entered us, entered and stopped where we're, that path we were going on, set us on a whole new path, and cause us to be born again, give a new life, be made righteous, be healed, be prosperous, have a purpose in life, have a goal, and we're headed towards heaven. Thank the Lord for but God. But here it says, for by grace you have been saved. Look at the word grace. If you're from, from Texas, it's charis. But actually the Greek word is pronounced charis. And so charis, when it deals with your relationship with God, it's unmerited favor. Unmerited. This brings out the fact for you it's unmerited, but someone did have to merit everything that we have. And there's one person that merited it. Who was that? That was Jesus. Jesus came as a man under the law. Why did he come? Because God demanded from humanity perfection and no one could give it to him. Year after year, decade, century after century, not a single man achieved what God demanded from mankind. Jesus said, I'll become a man. I'll be their representative under God's law. He kept God's law in thought, word, and deed, all 613 commandments. And he fulfilled it, set it aside, but he did it as a man. He did it as your representative. And then on the cross, what about where you've missed it, though? 
where you deserve death, where you deserve the curse and the punishment, Jesus took that on at the cross. A divine exchange took place. Your sins for his righteousness. When you accept him as Lord and Savior, your sins are removed, your sin nature is removed, and you are imparted the righteousness of God. That righteousness as is that righteousness as a man under the law. It's a legal righteousness. That's the legal opening God has to bless your life. I know you're sweet, but not that sweet. It's the gift of God. The unmerited on your side, you could never merit it. It's the unmerited favor of God. And so one day, an evangelist, D.L. Moody, raise your hand if you remember or heard of D.L. Moody. He was a great evangelist in the 1800s. One day, the evangelist D.L. Moody was studying the meaning of God's grace, just doing a study in the Word of God on grace. He got so excited, he ran out in the street and shouted to the first man he saw, Do you know grace? <laughs> Mystified, the man replied, Grace who? <laughs> and Moody then had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. I think that's a great evangelistic question. Just walk up to people, Do you know grace? Grace who? Well, here you are. I'm going to tell you about grace. And so it's by grace you've been saved. Say, been saved. Religion's always on the path of trying to accomplish things, accomplish salvation. But true grace, true relationship, true Christianity brings you to a place that you can never arrive to in your own. And it says you've been saved. Look at this word, been saved. It's the Greek word sozo. Sozo. In the Greek, this word sozo means to be saved. That's what we understand going to heaven, being forgiven, but also been translated as healed, healed. And so it also means to be made prosperous. It means to be made whole. It's the all-inclusive package. You ever been on a cruise ship? Well, one day, if you're ever on a cruise ship, be prepared to eat. <laughs> but everything's included. All the food, seconds, thirds, they'll say, do you want another one? Do you want everything on the menu? Now the buffets and everything, it's all included. It's an inclusive package. And so that's the way salvation, welcome to salvation. Inside that salvation package is not just heaven. It's healing. It's prosperity. It's wholeness. It's deliverance. I want you to see something. It said you've been saved. The, every Greek verb has a tense to it. Now, there's some tenses like present tense. That means it's an ongoing thing right now. It's just a continuing thing right now. It's going present tense. Past tense in the Greek is aorist, which means it's happening in the past. It's a done deal, historical fact, over with. But this word is in the perfect tense. And it wraps the past tense and the present tense and puts them together. So what does, it mean, what does this mean in the Greek? It means you've been saved in times past, but it has continuing results all the way up into the present. Until the present. Until the present. Until the present. And a million years from now when it's present, it still has the results all the way through eternity based on what already happened 2,000 years ago. This brings out the fact that you've been healed. With the results, you are healed. You were prospered. This brings out the fact that you still are prospered. Well, pastor, I believe it when I see it. Well, Thomas... Thomasina. That doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. You must see it by faith. You must believe it and then release your faith. Speak it and act on it. What's in the spirit has come out because everything you need, that healing is in the spirit. 
prosperity is in the spirit. It's all there. It needs to be released from the spirit to the natural. It's called faith. And so we see that. You've been saved. Tell someone you've been saved. Amen. So I'm going to ask a question. And so I really do not like it when ministers will ask a trick question and trick the audience. This is wrong. I don't, I don't do that. I'm actually going to tell you I'm going to trick you. I'm going to tell you up front, it's your fault if you get it wrong. And so just be careful before you say it. But you know what? If you want to go committed to the answer, go ahead. Just want to tell you in advance. I have a question for you. Are you saved by grace? That's half the truth. Half the truth. Have you ever heard someone tell you the part of truth they wanted you to hear about it? They leave you with a bit of the truth, but leaves you with an understanding that's not quite the truth. You know a half-truth is a lie? There's some today in the body of Christ saying that salvation's done by grace. And they leave out the rest of the truth, which makes it an error. And so the truth is, is you're saved by grace through faith. Through faith. And so, again, we're not saved because we have faith. We're saved because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. That's why we're saved. But the way you receive it is by faith. And even the faith that we receive it by was given to us by God. By faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the gospel. And so you receive that faith. So let's talk about what faith is not before we talk about what is faith, biblical faith. Faith is not mere mental assent. It's not an intellectual agreement. So a lot of people can agree intellectually Jesus died, and some will even intellectually agree he raised from the dead, but it's not Bible faith. The devil believes that, and he trembles. Is the devil saved? No. No, no. And so faith is not mere mental assent. I'm going to read a story for you to kind of show you what is the difference between mental assent and Bible faith. Anne Seward was a resident of Portland, Oregon. She was asked to co-star with high-wire artist Philippe Pettit at the opening of the Portland Center for the Performing Arts. Intrigued by the opportunity, uh, she responded, I'd like to meet this man to see if I trust him. Her stage would be on an 80-foot wire with no net uh, between the new theater building and the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall. So on August 31st, 1987, the 91-pound Seward placed her life in the hands of the higher wire artist and was carried on his back while he performed high above the street with no net. Here's a picture of this event. You can pop up this event. Now, if you're looking, you think that's one person, but a little more closely, you have Mr. Pettit, but on his back is Ann Seward. And she's entrusting her entire life to this man. So, many of those who witnessed the performance below believed that Pettit could successfully complete the performance with someone on his back, but Anne trusted and put her full trust and life upon it. That's Bible faith. And that brings out the fact that you put your faith, if you're born again, you put your entire eternity on the back of Jesus. Instead of you. And that's why a lot of people cannot do that. They want to say, I want to trust in what I'm doing. I have plan B, C, D, triple, double Z, ZZ top, all this other stuff. 
And you've got plan B to where you're trusting kind of in yourself because you don't trust fully in the Lord. And so, but you have completely put your life and eternity on the line by, by resting fully in Jesus Christ. Smart person. He has never fallen yet and never will fall. But I'm asking you today, are you trusting him in your financial situation like that? Are you trusting him in your health situation, that diagnosis the doctor's given you? Are you putting your complete life and trust in his promises? Because his promises are the high wire that which you can go from one point to the next point. You're going to make it to the other side. Are you fully trusting Jesus? It says, we're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. That means you can add nothing to your salvation. You have to receive everything from God. If you keep this straight, if, you receive, if you're going to go before God, you're going to receive everything. Say everything. everything. By, grace, by grace, that's 100% unmerited favor of what Jesus accomplished, by faith. And if you approach God by that in everything towards God, then you're going to have a honeymoon with Jesus continually. The problem is, is a lot of times you come off honeymoon and have to go back to work. And, and so religion teaches you, you know, yeah, you, you get saved by grace, but then you need to work and keep in, keep for your, work for your blessings and, and do all the right things for God to bless you. And then the joy leaves, the peace leaves. And so guess what? You can have a honeymoon with Jesus all the time the rest of your life if you'll do Colossians 2.6. A life verse for me and Joanne. Look at Colossians 2. Look at verse 6. Colossians 2.6 says, as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, so continue, say continue, to walk in him. How did you receive the Lord Jesus? By grace through faith. How are you going to continue to live the Christian walk? By grace through faith. You need, that brings to the fact you need to dance with who brung you. He brought you to the dance, now dance with the one who brung you. Don't change partners and dance with Mr. Law. And we try to trust in ourselves instead of Jesus. And so that, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Say gift of God. It's a gift. Well, gifts must be accepted or free to accept it or free to reject it or it's no longer a gift. That brings out the fact that if you're forced to take something, it's no longer a gift. It's what's issued to you. And God does not issue salvation to anyone. He offers it as a gift. You can freely reject it or accept it. It's up to you to decide. It's called a gift. I want you to look in, Matt, or look in Romans 5. Look in verse 15 through verse 17. And we're going to read this passage of Scripture, and so I need your help. Whenever I read the word gift, I want you to count. So when I say gift the first time, you say? And this is harder. When I say gift the second time, you say? Well, you're, you're faster in first service. So praise God. Here we go. So I'm going to read this, and let's do this. Romans 5.15. But the free gift is not like the offense, for by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Who was the one that sinned? Adam. And so how many gifts have we had so far? Three. And it says, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received the abundance of grace and of the gift 
of righteousness will reign through life through the one Jesus Christ. Gift, 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 gift. Five. Five stands for the number of grace. A gift is grace. Your, your birthday gifts are unmerited favor. You don't have to work for your birthday gifts. If your parents made you work for your birthday gifts, you came from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> Just want to let you know. And so notice it says, it says what happened through Adam is not like what happened in salvation. What happened when you sinned, when Adam sinned, death was forced upon all humanity. We don't just say, oh God, I choose not to die physically. All of you will die physically if Jesus doesn't come back. Now I'm believing that we're part of the rapture generation. I'm practicing each day. <laughs> I heard about a, a guy taking a girl out to going out on the on a date, and she's a Pentecostal girl, and he says, Well, I'd like to go to the bowling alley. And she said, Well, no, I can't go to a bowling alley. There's people smoking in there and sinning in there. How could I go to a bowling alley? And what would I do if I had a bowling ball and Jesus came? Let go of the ball. <laughs> go on up. It's by grace. And so we see that it, so what was forced upon you, the devil always forces things upon you. God never forces you, ever, ever, ever. If you feel like God's pressuring you to do something, that's from the devil. God leads his sheep. He doesn't drive his sheep. You drive goats. You don't lead goats, you lead sheep. And so God is your shepherd. He leads you with peace. And so again, it's a gift. Look at verse 9. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so this brings out that you can do nothing to earn your salvation. And today, you can't do anything to earn your healing. You can't do anything to earn prosperity or to earn your, your mortgage or your rent being paid or your tuition for Karis, or anything, it's going to come by God's grace through faith. Yeah. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so, one must repent. Tell someone, you need to repent. <laughs> repent of sin. <laughs> you need to repent today. But what do we need to repent of? Self-trust. Self-trust. Trusting in ourselves instead of Jesus. That means we need to repent from that. That's what Jesus' message was when he came. It says, repent and believe the gospel. Change your mind from trusting in you and, trust, and put your trust in me. Believe the good news of salvation through me. And so, again, we need to repent of self-trust. Anything we receive from God today is on the same basis that got you saved. Just go back to what you're, you're, what you're needing in your life. Are you using the same way you got saved? If not, repent. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Many think salvation by grace through faith is just too easy. He says, you know what? You mean that, that I don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it or to do anything to get God to give me that to me? That I just simply receive it as a gift? I'm sorry, that's too easy. And so many people out there, if you ask them, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a good person. They're wanting to do something. They want to participate. Yeah, I couldn't do it all alone, but I have a big part in it. And I'm going to earn it, and I'm going to try to be a good person. And again, you destroy grace when you add anything to it. Someone had gone in, and someone was cleaning in a museum one day and saw that the painting had kind of faded, so she tried to help out. She tried to touch up with her paint and ruined it. 
Don't ruin, because you ruin grace when you try to add anything to it. So what means are you using for what you're needing today? Is it the exact same thing that got you saved? And so many people think salvation is just too easy if it's by grace through faith. They want steps. Okay, I'm going to give you steps to the victorious Christian life. Step number one, look at Jesus. Step number two gets more hard. Keep looking at Jesus. Step number three, keep on looking at Jesus. It's just too easy. An instant cake mix came out on the market. It was a huge flop. The instructor said all, instructions said all you have to do is add water and bake. The company couldn't understand why it didn't sell until the research discovered that the buying public felt uneasy about just having to mix some water to the cake mix. People thought it was just too easy, so the company altered the formula and changed the recipe to call for adding water, and you add an egg yourself to the mix. The idea worked. The, the sales jumped dramatically. People reject salvation by God's grace through faith because they think it's just too easy. Don't destroy the cake by your works. Adding impurities to the cake because you can have your cake and eat it too. Is that when they hit a home run? They go, okay. Lest anyone should boast. Say anyone. Anyone. Because religious people, that's what they're known for boasting. I've done this, I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, like that sinner there. Remember the, the self-righteous Pharisee praying with himself, Jesus said? He said, I'm glad that, you, that I'm such a great person and I tithe and I fast and I go to the temple, not like that wicked sinner over there. Lest anyone should boast. Guys, it's very dangerous to boast about your own works to obtain salvation. Very dangerous. Those who boast will roast. <laughs> Verse 10. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at the word workmanship. It's the Greek word poiema. P-O-I-E-M-A, poiema. It means a work of art. It means an artifice. It means something handmade, handcrafted, a masterpiece. Tell someone you are God's handiwork in Christ. Now tell someone else you're a piece of work. <laughs> for we're his workmanship. We get an English word from poema. What word do we get? Poem. Poem. Each one of you is a unique poem of God, a love poem. Some of you think, well, I'm a tragedy. I'm a comedy. No, no, you are a poem uniquely written by God to his glory. There's never been a poem like your poem that ever has and ever will be that was handmade by God for his glory. 
You are his workmanship in the new creation, in your new birth. Our new creation, our new birth, is much more beautiful and extravagant than your natural birth. I know you're extravagant. I know you're beautiful in the natural, but your born-again being is much more beautiful and extravagant than the natural birth. Much more so as the sun, ex- the, the sun exceeds the brightness of the, the moon, so much your new birth, the new creation, is greater than your original creation. Look at the word created in Christ Jesus. Well, what God did in the new creation was mirrored in the original creation. So what happened where in Genesis 1, how did God find the earth before creation started taking place? It was without form and void. Actually, the Hebrew says it was chaotic. Chaos. Tell someone you used to have you used to be chaotic. And you created chaos wherever you went. Well, our new creation is a mirror of what he did in original creation. And what did God do to start creation? What did he say? Let light be. And it shined into the darkness and form started taking place from chaos. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 6, when you got born again. It's mirrored in what he did in creation. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When you heard the gospel, the light of God came into your darkness, into your chaos, and started forming you anew. Amen. What happened, uh, you, you guys are already quicker in the first service. <laughs> I had to go back and teach Genesis 1 all over again. Now, now, guys, how many days was God creating? Six. six. I had seven, someone said the other day. So. Okay, six. The first three days, he was forming. He formed the land, he formed the sky, he formed whatever he formed. But then, the last three days, he filled what he formed. Welcome to salvation. When you were born again, he formed you in righteousness. But then he filled you with the Holy Spirit. Formed and filled creation. He created you in Christ Jesus for good. I know some of you have trouble saying that word. Work. Work is not a dirty four-letter word. Now, if you're using works to justify yourself or works of the law, yes, that's evil works of unbelief. But we're called though to the works of faith, works that comes forth from faith. That's what we're called unto. Notice we're not, we have not been saved by good works, but unto good works. And so this verse doesn't say that we were created in Christ Jesus to rest on our hammock. It says we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Why are we called to do that? Because you have a great commission. Why are you still here? Because if the goal of salvation was just to save you, forgive you, make make you righteous, he would have gave you a private rapture after you were saved. He did not. You're still here. Why? You're on assignment. It's called the great commission, not the great suggestion. Each one of you have a specific anointing, a different calling, a different makeup to uniquely fulfill the Great Commission, and you are without 
gifts uh, without compare. Tell someone you're needed. You're the poem to be read by the world. People are reading you. These good works are a product of our union with Christ. In Acts 10.38, it says, Jesus went about doing good and healing. But you know, Jesus is still going about doing good in you. It's in you. It's not by your own works. It's by grace working through you. An old Scotsman, and you know, I am a Scot. I'm, I'm Scottish. I don't wear my kilt, but in private. Someone said thank you in the first service. I'm, you're nicer, thank you. An old Scotsman operated a little rowboat for transporting passengers. One day a passenger noticed that the old man had carved on one oar the word faith. And on the other oar, he carved the word works. Curiosity led him to ask the meaning of this, and the old man, glad to have the opportunity for testimony, said, I'll show you. So, so when he said that, he dropped the oar named Faith inside the boat and used the other oar called Works, and they just went around in circles. Then he dropped that oar and began to use the oar called Faith, and the little boat just went around in circles the opposite way. This time, the, uh, after this, the demonstration, the old man picked up Faith and Works, and we're using both of the oars together and sped swiftly over the water, explaining to his inquiring passenger, you see, that is the way it is in the Christian life. Dead works without faith is useless, and faith without works is dead, getting you nowhere. Are you using both oars? Are you just going in circles? Not getting anywhere? May you say, do I have both oars working? which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The good works that God wants, that created you unto, he prepared those before you were ever born. Do you know that he had your calling before you ever came on the scene? That he had what you were called to do before you ever entered the scene? Yes. Let me tell you something that is not wise for you to tell your kids, and people do it all the time. It's not wise to tell your kids, now, Johnny, you can be anything you want to be. Well, what's wrong with that, Pastor? Well, we can be whatever God has created us to be. You need to find out what has God created you to be. I found it very quickly. I have not ever called to be in the NBA. <laughs> I don't have any hops. I just have flops. God is into preparation. He's prepared, he prepared everything in the garden before he placed Adam there. He prepared mankind for salvation by giving the law. God is invested in preparing you for your calling in ministry. Preparation time is never wasted time. Many bypass preparation and end up messing up in ministry and life because they're just not ready or prepared for it. So what do you need to not bypass preparation? It starts with P. Patience. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you have patience because I know you do. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But it's way down deep. <laughs> way down there. It says work out patience. Let patience have her perfect work. 
Patience is called a her. You need to wait for her. He's prepared these works beforehand. Say beforehand. beforehand. He's prepared beforehand. So what you're called to do, your calling was determined before you were born. You can't just do anything and choose to be successful at it. The problem is, is we're not finding our unique calling from God. Many of us are trying to follow the calling of another. We're trying to walk in the shoes of another. We should be motivated by the faith of others but we don't have their path to walk on. You have your own path to walk on. Stop trying to be like somebody else. You be the unique you. That's called a unicue or uni unique. God has prepared, prepared beforehand the works to walk in them. Say walk. It's called the walk of faith. You never see the leap of faith. The world talks about take the leap of faith. It's not biblical. There's no leap of faith. There's a walk of faith. What's that mean? Is often we do not know what we'll be doing years down the line. We may have a glimpse of it, but right now he gives you enough light to walk in. He gives you a lamp called the Word and the Holy Spirit. And he hold, you hold it out and then you walk. And as you walk, light hits this step and this step and this step and this step. Some of you are wanting the entire plan. He's not going to give it. Walk it out. One step. Well, if I knew the whole thing, then I'll follow. Welcome to being stagnant. Well, Pastor, he hasn't spoken to me in 20 years. Well, go back to what he said last. Did you do it? Well, I'm feeling he's done with me. Check your heart. Push your hand over your heart. Is it beating? He's not done with you. You can get back on and start walking. Walking is mentioned seven times in Ephesians. Seven speaks of perfection or completion. God's plan is completed by us walking it out in faith. Tell someone you're going to have to walk it out. Walk it out day in, day out, walk of faith. Faith and work should travel side by side like two legs. Faith works. Faith works. Faith works. And you walk it out through life. That you walk in them. In them. That speaks of clothing that, that, you, that that's suited just for you. Raise your hand if you ever had a suit or designer set of clothes just for you. Well, if you have, you know the difference. It's a lot different than off the rack. Do what You can just do what you can with the size you pull off the rack. But if it's made for you, it fits you. There's nothing ill-fitting for it. It fits you perfectly. What God has called you to do will fit you perfectly. And it'll be amazing. People will look at you. How do you do what you do? The bird looks at the fish. How do you do what you do? And the fish goes, how do you do what you do? <laughs> I don't know. I'm graced and fitted for what I do. If what you're doing, you'd like that? That was fresh. That one for service. That's straight from the Spirit of God. The problem arises when we're trying to be something we're not. 
It's hard. It's difficult. It's frustrating. Check up. Are you doing what God's called you to do? Because Jesus said, last time I checked, he said, my yoke is hard. Oh, sorry, clueless translation. My yoke, what, yoke's used for work. You put on an oxen to work. My yoke for you, the work I've called you to do, is easy, and my burden is light. If you don't have yoke and easy, if you don't have easy and light with what you're doing, then either you're leaning on your own ability to do it, or you're not doing what he created you to do. Prepare. Prepare. Verse 11. Therefore, remember. Say remember. remember. He started out with this chapter. Remember when God found you, that pit he dug you out of, and the place when you were dead in trespasses and in your unbelieving life. And remember, go back. I think it's good every once in a while to go back to where we were when he found us. Because we can get in this daily life and we can get so caught up with the negativities around us. We lose the wonder of it all. We lose the, the fascination with God, God's grace and his love in our life. And we get cynical and we get discouraged and we get bitter because of the present. Remember. Because I tell you today that whatever you're going through right now is better than the, is the, than the best day you ever had as an unbeliever. You're in the ark called Christ. And ark life is a lot better than living outside the ark. Remember that you once were Gentiles in the flesh. You were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made by flesh by hands. You once were Gentiles in the flesh. You once were, but you are not now. You notice something that brings out the fact that on the earth before the cross, there was two categories of humanity. There was Jews and Gentiles. That's the breakdown in God's eyes of humanity. But after the cross, he added one more category. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. Look at verse 32. Now there's three classifications of humans on the earth. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Gentiles or to the church of God. The church of God is the new creation. Guess what? You got out of Adam's family and you entered into Christ's family, into the gospel, into the church of the Lord, into the new creation, and you're a whole new species that's never been before. You're called the new creation. Who were called uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision. What is this? This verse says the Jews used to deride the Gentiles and called them uncircumcised. You uncircumcised Philistines. You don't have a covenant with God. We have a covenant. And we're pride and alienated them from them. You know legalists love to label those who are not like them with derogatory terms. Which of course makes them feel special. The flesh loves to separate itself from others. And call you less. Even the people from Greece called Greeks, they did that themselves. The Greeks, there were, among their mindset, there, that we're Greeks and all the rest of them are barbarians. And so we all, the flesh loves to do that. And so I want you to read on, it says that they, they were called uncircumcision by the circumcision made by hands in the flesh. So natural circumcision was made by people, by people doing that. 
But when you got saved, you got a spiritual circumcision at the new birth. Your spirit was cut away from the flesh and sealed and protected and blessed. And that's for male or female in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 12. We're making good progress. That at that time, before you were saved, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Welcome to what you were like when you were an unbeliever. When you were an unbeliever, you were without Christ. There are two types of people on the earth. There are people with Christ and people without Christ. Raise your hand if you're with Christ. Then why are you acting like you're without him? See, I, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. I mean, he's like this. That at that time, you were without Christ. Being aliens... From the commonwealth of Israel. Tell someone you used to be an alien. There's aliens among us. Being alienated, or that means being alienated, cut off from the commonwealth. The word commonwealth means citizenship of Israel. But God didn't cut them off. Israel did it. You know Israel was called to be the, the, uh, the preachers and the evangelists in the earth. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to preach the Messiah, the grace of the Messiah. But instead, they, they worshiped the law, and they alienated everyone and says, we're holy, you're not, and alienated the Gentiles, and God never was in it. Being aliens from the commonwealth or citizenship of Israel. But now, guess what? We are citizens of heaven. Then why are we living like we're not? strangers from the covenants of promise. That's the Abrahamic covenant. That's the Davidic covenant. That's the, the covenant uh, of the new covenant. At one time, we were Gentiles were without any covenant with God, had no covenant. Then why are we today living like we have no covenant with God? Being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of God's promises, a few years back, a homeless man came to this church. He had said he had not been in church for decades because when he went to his last church, the deacon said, you're not welcome here. You need to leave because of the way he looked. You know Gandhi? That happened with Gandhi? That Gandhi that infected the entire nation of, in, uh, of India and all of the hin Hindu people around the world? He went to church one day to find out more about Jesus. And they said, this church is not for people like you, of dark skin. You need to go to, your, go to a church of your own people. He says, if this is Christ, I don't want anything to do with him. Alienated, separated from the citizenship of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. No hope. You can live three months without food. Three days without water. Three minutes without air. But you really can't really live three seconds without hope. And as an unbeliever, you had no hope. And my question today is, why are you acting like you have no hope? 
Because you're looking at the wrong things. You're looking at your problems. You're looking at the things you're going through. Remember. Go back and remember. How God gave you the greatest miracle possible. Found you in spiritual death headed to hell as a child of wrath. But God interrupted your path. Caused you to be born again. Healed you, delivered you, been faithful to you over and over and over again. And you're ready to toss it all over this little thing in your life now. What's big to me? Yes, because you're making it big. Why are you acting like an unbeliever? Where you have no hope. You don't have, you're without Christ. You have no covenant. No, no, you have a God. And you have Christ. And you have a covenant. And you have hope. Tell someone you have hope. Without God in the world, unbelievers, without God in the world, but you have God in this world. Say, I have God in this world. In what I'm facing, I have God with me. If God's for me, who can be against me? What can be against me? Nothing. No one. The Gentiles were characterized by these five things. They were Christless, countryless, covenantless, hopeless, and godless. But that's not you. Look at verse 13. But now. I love the holy buts of the Bible. But now. Say now. now. In Christ Jesus. You're in union with him. You're with Christ. You have a covenant. You're a citizen of heaven. You have all the rights of a citizen. Don't act like an unbeliever. Don't go back. Go forward. You once were far off from God. In the temple, there was a court called the Court of the Gentiles that was way off to the side. Yes, Gentiles was permitted to come, but a far, way afar off. But now, you are brought near, very near to the presence of God. All has changed. Tell someone, all has changed. You were brought near. When the rabbis spoke about a, a convert to Judaism, he said they have been brought near. Guess what? You've been brought near to God. How? Why? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not bloodless. There's a blood's been shed that started a covenant that brought you in union with God in this world. You have a covenant. You're a citizen. And God's saying, look up. Look up. Today, now, things change. Say now. now. Things change. Because God changes it. Say, I have hope in this world. I have a covenant. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have full rights to everything in the kingdom. Amen. Bow your head. You'd say, Pastor, this has hit me. I've, I've been acting like I was when I was unsaved. Like I didn't have Jesus. I didn't have a covenant. I didn't have citizenship. I'm acting like I have no hope. Like I'm without God in the world. Today, that's not, I'm not going to do that anymore. 
I'm not going to deny that anymore. I'm going to get my eyes off the now, get it on Jesus, and things are going to change now. And if that's you and you're making that decision to look up, lift your hand high. Say, that's me. You're humble enough to lift it up. Don't chicken wing it. No T-Rexing. Get it up high. All right, Father, those hands that are raised. Father, they're with Christ. They're with you. You're with them. They have a covenant. They have hope. Confident expectation of goodness. Lord, I thank you as they lift up their eyes through this week and refuse to focus on the negative and be thankful, constantly thankful for your grace. Lord, I thank you that you're coming, you're bringing them out. The enemies are being brought down under their feet. And that once again, you're faithful to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I hear someone saying, but I'm always failing. Seems like I'm always failing. Well, stop looking at you. He's never failing. He's never failing. Even when you fail and when you don't believe, he's still faithful. He cannot deny his own. He's never failing. Get your eyes on him, never failing. So I, I heard the Lord saying um, that some of us are in a period of waiting where we're waiting to see the promises of God manifest in our life. But it's because we're learning a lesson. We're learning that he is our source and our provider. And I heard him bring up um, Hosea 2. Um, 16, and in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal, for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. So just take heart that in the waiting, God is reorienting us to who is our source, who is our provider, and removing from our mouths the names of things that have tried to take his place that have left us unsatisfied and wanting, but that he will give us everything that we need, everything that we want, and we will be satisfied when we have him as our source.